Hello, this thoroughly good classical music podcast was recorded during a day-long visit to the Philharmonia's virtual orchestra multimedia and virtual reality experience in Bedford in early July. The free exhibition is open every day until the 10th of August. The exhibition is touring the rest of the UK over the coming months. Visit philharmonia.co.uk forward slash virtual orchestra for more information. In this podcast, you'll get a flavour of one of the exhibitions from Philharmonia Audience Development Manager Tom Spurgeon, thoughts and some impassioned feelings from some of the visitors, and a cut-down discussion between Place Theatre Audience Development Manager Elizabeth Howard and Philharmonia Director of Residencies Jonathan Mays. You can watch the full video of the entire unedited interview on YouTube. Just search for Thoroughly Good Podcast Philharmonia. So we're currently stood outside of the Virtual Orchestra Marquee um, and we're here because we're trying to get more people involved in music, classical music, orchestral music and in the arts in general and we are just about to go and do a tour through the installation that will take us from violins through to the flutes and oboes into a massive dome that um, you can stand right in the middle of and find the perfect sound for the orchestra. And from there, we tour around into the tubers and trumpets. And as you stand near to those instruments, you can hear them more clearly. And I actually think we've got a trombonist in there at the moment. I can hear a trombone. From from the noise that's coming out of it. We've got a trombonist. And then we'll get to the percussion room. What do you do? I am the audience development manager at the Philharmonia. So I used to work here within the um, UK touring team. And I worked on a project called Eye Orchestra in 20. 14 and 15, went away, came back for this project because it's similar to Eye Orchestra in its ethos. Is that ethos. the app? Is Eye Orchestra the app? The That's orchestra it. is the app. Right. Um, Eye Orchestra was a strategic touring fund from Arts Council to go to the southwest peninsula of England uh-huh. and increase cultural engagement. Right. So similar things to this, and it used the same installation, but we didn't have the virtual reality for that. Okay. So for this project, I've come back, and my role is to basically just be nice to people right so i go to community organizations that we've never spoken to before have a cup of tea have a chat see if they want to get involved in the arts if they do great if they don't poke them a bit see if they still don't poke them well as in like <laughs> prod to, <laughs> prod to, to just get them to go why don't you want to, to encourage them yeah, encourage right, okay as um, opposed to poke yeah right. but I think within lots of arts engagement work, there's a big thing of the arts is the best thing ever, you've got to come and enjoy it, but some people just don't like it. So it's kind of finding that balance between whether they really do... It's a bit preachy. Yeah, it is. Okay. It's super preachy. And I think that's what we're trying to change with this. That. So what is the strategy instead of being preachy? Being chatty. Right. Um, and just generally seeing whether people want to do stuff, talking to them, understanding what their lives are, what they want to do, what time they have spare and what time they can devote to anything that isn't work, kids, travel, all that kind of stuff, bills, and then kind of finding a space for them that is the arts and working out where the Philharmonia and all other arts organisations around Bedford can fit within that. So we tend to deal with people that love arts, love classical music, will pay money to come and see it, but now we're trying to reach into the people that sometimes don't have that spare cash to go and see a concert to have spare time um, and some people that are kind of on fringes edges of society dealing with really tough issues like rough sleeping, drugs um, youth offending all of those kind of things and to see if there are places that 
music can help them either feel a bit more human or help um, recoup and generally enjoy life. I'm conscious that we should actually okay. be doing what we said that we yeah. did, uh, which is going here. Every step you take, you kind of see something interesting and you learn something more. So we've got these um, hanging signs that give you a brief overview of what everything is. Um, but as we're now walking into the strings during Uranus, I imagine. Um, yeah, <laughs> right? So we've got four, four, four uh, screens all around us, big screens with musicians just sat there yeah. waiting to play. Which, that's the cool thing about this, is that actually the cameras are so close to their faces that you can see how much they're counting, that even when they're sat doing absolutely nothing, they're there and they're in the zone. And, I mean, if you look at... Yeah, yeah, they're they're super life-size. If you look at Helena's face here, she's so intent on that music. And every so often she has a quick flick up to Essa Pekka to see what he's telling her to do. And she's back into it. And we've also got things like the scores down here where... If you read music, you can come and see what's going on, but we also have rehearsal numbers coming up in the corner of the screen every so often, which are then on the um, scores and parts as well, so you can find where you are just from that. Yeah, it's the size... I think the thing that surprises me is the size of their images on the screen, Mm. because that's just... It's not like you're watching television. It's They are here. They're right here. Okay, right. That's the strings. Yeah. This guy doesn't have any hair anymore. Doesn't he? No. What? Why? I don't know. The oh, I, so, oh, I thought that. I thought there was no, <laughs> nope. a second part of the anecdote, Stress, but clearly there know. isn't. <laughs> okay. So we're in the cellos and basses now, and I don't know if you noticed, but as we come into here, you hear those bass notes more. Yes. And we're closer to the cellos, so their sound is jumping out at us even more. There's one of those rehearsal figures okay. that's just come up. So, so the, there are the the tent is full of speakers, presumably. How many speakers? I Four think we're on speakers. 37 screens and probably about 30 separate speakers as well. And they're all delivering at different levels, according. Completely separate stuff. Yeah. So each speaker has its own brain that goes alongside it, which has its own SIM cards and different SD cards so every single one is programmed individually which is why the get-in for this whole thing takes so long so our tech manager Karis has spent so long going through each bit and making sure every single screen is perfect and that the sound of the double basses is audible but not taking over what's happening elsewhere in the installation. It seems really odd. I have to say, it strikes me as really naughty that we're talking. I know. <laughs> whilst people on video are playing. Yeah. I find that a bit weird. Uh, so how long does it get in take? Uh, oh, about a week and a half. Month, a week and a half. Yeah. And that was including the build of this tent. Um, and then the rig of the truss and all the wiring that goes alongside it. We had to put plumbing inside the other building. Um, it was quite intense. But That's a big deal. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's, it's mega deal but the thing about like talking is we can do that because yes, we're, no, we're not know, in a concert I hall I know but, and, but the instinct yeah, is and oh, also, oh we, should, we, yeah. we should lower our voices I know but yeah. also if we don't like it you're not stuck in the middle of a row of people no and you're not worrying about pe- what people will think if you want to get out of it you can either just charge through do it in 30 seconds yes. or just turn around and go back out 
completely there's, agree. A, there's also an emotional thing about um, why would you want again this is not me judging other people yeah. but why would you how could you possibly rush through mm. it quickly because it's so sort of you've got to stop and watch it it's, yeah. it's quite okay onwards cool. uh, flutes and oboes whatever <laughs> clarinets right I'm a clarinetist so. excellent how long did it take to film? Do you know? I mean, no, I don't. I mean, I know it took a long time. And within every um, section, you've got different cameras. You have GoPros on trombones and on violin players' heads and random things like that. So it must have taken, what, a week at least? Yes. Yes. Wow. Um, Can't soon. Yep. And glum looking bassoonist. I know. <laughs> Little glum. That's the best thing though. Like What that she's looking glum. <laughs> well no, but you see her face and you can go, She's not involved in this bit. Some people are counting, but she obviously knows it well enough that so she doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> She'll say, Yeah, I've done my bit now. Yeah, yeah, I've played this aid loads and loads of times. Uh, horns equally looking they're waiting. They are waiting. They're poised. They are. Especially Casting him at the what him there. Jeez, look at him. Hands on knees prepared. And the horns are next to Esapeka because he's a horn player. Right. So even though they would technically belong over there with the rest of the brass, we wanted him to feel like he had friends. So we gave him his horns. Big call coming up. Yeah, it's like every screen is a story in itself. Mm. And so you need to stop and you need to watch yeah. it. And, and that's and that's very odd. And you could take 37 screens, spend an hour watching the piece at each screen. Yes. 37 hours in the installation. We haven't had oh. anyone do it yet. What's this? This is What's our dome. Which is the best bit for me. So we've got principles of most of the sections spread around us on eight screens, almost planetarium style. Yeah. Um, and it's the place where um, the sound really, really comes together the most. So with everywhere else, um, you can hear whatever you're stood next to. Um, but here, if we stand right in this central bit here, um, when it starts up again with Neptune, it will, should be perfect. So for each of these pillars that we've got, there are projectors on the pillars, there are speakers on the pillars. And we're always trying to make it even better than it is. So again, tech manager Karis is in every night tweaking things. So every single day something is tweaked a little bit just to push it and be slightly better. can't take yourself away that's yeah. what I'm I... it's because they're human beings doing something creative and so witnessing yeah, someone yeah. doing something creative it's like well no if I walk away then I'm like I'm ignoring you and being and being terribly rude yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do uh, do you know what uh, members of the orchestra think of it I mean have they experienced it yeah they have um we have complete range of emotions about it, but it is, like you said, it's a personal thing. 
so they can come and see themselves playing for the first time and realize things they didn't know about themselves because they can see them on a massive screen but they also get to do what we're doing and go and see what the violins are doing yes. if you're a flute player you might not ever see that close of what those guys are doing and most of them are really on board with the concept of it that actually this is here to get people in and to engage them and to kind of spark that excitement that will bring them then to concert hall uh, let's, let's tear ourselves away yeah. I'm conscious of time and the need for future editing <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness me hello Gosh, we actually have a real player. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, who are you? Rob. Rob. Uh, Rob who? Mosley. Mosley, okay. Yes, I'm on... I'm Did they a, tell um, you that everybody else was coming? Uh, are you... I'm just concerned that you're here on your own. Yeah, well... <laughs> are you expecting the rest of the orchestra? I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, they should be here any time right, soon, Right, okay, well, yeah. fingers crossed. I think these are just sitting in for a while until they right. turn up. <laughs> they don't look very good. <laughs> uh, what have you been doing today? Uh, Why are so, you here? Because well, so I'm here to, to play along with the trombone part with the recording right um and as people walk through answer questions anything they need to know about the orchestra or the trombone or or brass instruments in general yeah then i'll what have they been asking you uh so i've been because that way i don't have to ask you any questions true, yeah <laughs> uh, so people have been asking how so how the trombone works or how a brass instrument works how you make how you make a noise on a brass instrument mm-hmm. so i'd explain it's you know like a, a buzzing of the lips um through the instrument and any instrument makes the sound a lot nicer how the pitch changes so on a trombone we have the slide so you move the slide further out and the pitch of the note will get lower um, yes and then general what stuff surprised about, you? what, surpri- what yeah. questions surprised yeah. me? Um, one kid asked if I could beatbox down the trombone can you? no I can play and sing at the same time <laughs> for a moment my heart was pounding <laughs> I can play and sing at the same time, but right. I can't beatbox. I think okay. that's a different a different level. Anything yeah. else? That, well, maybe you'll get there eventually. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. A bit, more, bit more practice. Um, uh, any, anything else that surprised you? Um, <laughs> no. So no, I think sort of over, over the years you generally hear, hear it all, really. So I'm kind of ready for most questions. Uh, why do you think... Obviously, I realise that we've got a member of Philharmonia staff here, so you right. may feel obliged to say good <laughs> things. Uh, but what do you think is really valuable about this experience? I think it's a great way for for people to experience what it's like within an orchestra. You know, everyone everyone gets to hear it from the other side of the stand, from behind the conductor. But it's very rare that someone that doesn't play can sit and hear, you know, like sit in the, where the trombones are and hear what we'd hear around and the same with every other section. So I think that's a really valuable experience. And, you know, especially the, the younger kids that come around, it's it's a great way for them to... You know, visually see what they like to see, and it might hope. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed, they'll find an instrument that really grabs their attention, and and they'll want to play. Uh, I used to play in an orchestra, and when I experienced this for the first time, I found myself responding quite emotionally in yeah. a way that I didn't really expect to. And I've asked people this question loads of times, and <clears throat> haven't really got to the bottom of it. What is it aside from the music, which in itself will trigger an emotional response? I don't understand what it is that that has prompted that. Do you? Can you tell me that? I don't know. Are you saying that you don't experience this emotionally? Oh, no, but, <laughs> no I definitely... I, definitely I, de- <laughs> I can be. No. Okay. Um, no, I definitely do. There, I think if you, if you played an instrument in an orchestra and didn't feel some kind of emotional 
response to especially something like the planets um it was but I, I recall it being moments when when uh, instruments slipped in a in a note to complete a chord yeah and and suddenly it's like i just need to be alone yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, are you experiencing that when you play definitely yeah i, I mean it's just sort of something within yourself you know when like you hear a perfectly in tune chord within a piece it just resonates with you know you as a person like so you feel it throughout your whole body and it's just a it's an experience that you you don't get anywhere else so it, it you know it can be quite quite overwhelming at times yeah i don't want to, I don't want to appear like um i'm being uh, fussing over you but they do let you out in the daylight don't they uh do you I have think, regular breaks? Yeah, Tell I'm me about like five minutes every three hours or really? something. Really? <laughs> okay. okay. No, wow, they are paying you, I hope. Yeah. 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 Okay, you had to pause before you nodded. <laughs> um, thank you very much. Thank no worries, you. Yeah. Uh, we weren't planning that, so the fact that you agreed to, yeah. to something that you've no idea where it's going to go, I think no that's... Idea, yeah. They that do let me out more than five minutes, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case that Someone's worried. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. No worries, that's I was so taken with the the self-expression of the musicians, the passion, the kind of talent and skill, the love. <laughs> um, there's uh, there's something about the proximity. I think I've experienced yes. that um, yes. that exhibition, and yes. I and I am a musician, yes. but I I don't play anymore. And I found that being quite close to. Mm. And sort of moving in a, in a in yes. various different spaces yes. triggered quite an emotional response in me. Mm. I wonder whether I was the only one. I d- well, clearly not. I because was, you, yeah. You, I, I, I yes, I had that experience too. I was very moved. At one point, I was, I felt as if I was going to cry, as mm. I do now. She says. Um. <laughs> Thank you for flagging that. Carry on. <laughs> what do so, you, yes. what, but, but I'm not wanting to uh, to make you cry, although I do make <laughs> small children cry. Um, what do you think when you reflect on that? What mm-hmm. do you think that is about? Because you, I've had the experience of playing a musical instrument. Yes. You haven't. Yes. What What is that? Is that the music? Is that the the sound? Is it what is happening that is prompting that reaction for you? I think music speaks to all of us. I think that um, because it's uh, it's to do with tones isn't it and we are energetic beings so I would imagine that on an energetic kind of level we being uh, we are kind of tuning in we're resonating with something that is kind of deeply held within us for me if I were to follow that thinking I would say that um, that I haven't been listening to or playing much music of late. I've been so busy with doing, doing work-related things. And so to have placed myself in that situation, I think allowed a lot of my love of music um, and my natural resonance with it to begin to come out. And I wasn't expecting that because I hadn't thought about that before I went in. Is there anything else you'd like to say that I haven't asked you? I would like to say that it feels as if it's been a gift that you have brought this to Bedford. Um, that if others, <laughs> if others have been affected in the way I have, then um, it's something rather special. So, and where have you come from today? At local. So, um, so you're Bedford people. We are. Yes. Uh, what made you come along today to this? this we, well, we, well, we we were sat in Wackenbammers having a very pleasant 
lunch, if I'm honest with you. Right. Uh, I wanted to get a menu and carter, but you wanted to go on lunch because you wanted noodles. <laughs> You're all about the detail. I am. Uh, <laughs> yes, we were sat on the corner really out there, <laughs> and then we listened. I heard uh, Holst, she would say, one of my favourite classical tricks. Right. I thought, wow, what, what's going on there? To be fair, I was desperate to get in this in here for the, for the VR okay. bit. Well, but on, but saying that, that, saying that... <laughs> It's brilliant. I think we learned a lot about the different instruments. You were each section. Each section. Yeah. Yes. You I were was about to say you were particularly interested in the conductor. Really? Bit. In yeah. what way? Uh, it was just fascinating. Oh. Um. <laughs> uh, what did you find fascinating about the conductor? Um, uh, there was a piece around um, how frequently they perform the same songs and finish within seconds each time. Right. So I just thought that was quite interesting. And, um, and training fish, carp, classical music. Quite interesting. They yes, could tell the difference between um, a certain different type of what instrument was it? Flutes. Was it flutes? Are you both making this up now? No, <laughs> it's honestly true. Right. No, Carl um, been trained by Japanese scientists to tell the difference between, between a certain different type different of flute. Mm. Really? Mm. Oh wow. Okay. Right. Well, there's something to look forward to. You particularly <laughs> wanted to come in here. I did only because we saw we kind of were trying to interpret what the signs looked like, and I was going, "I bet you it's a VR thing, and you could pretend to be a conductor and, and all that sort of stuff." Am I right in thinking that you have not well worn VR headsets before? No, absolutely awesome. So That's what was the experience like? You I genuinely felt you're, you're sat there. Um, and you can look around, the sound is quite astonishing, isn't it? It's literally, uh, yeah, it blew, it blew my mind. And when you're, you're suddenly looking down from quite high up as well, aren't you, at the end? And it's sort of like you get that feeling of just spatial awareness. It's quite incredible. What would you say to other people to persuade them to come and do this? Pay you lots of money. <laughs> yes, no, there is no money. There okay. is no money. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and yeah, I think it left me wanting to go and see an orchestra. Um, yeah. Yeah. My name is Elizabeth Howard, and I am the audience development development manager at the Place Theatre here in Bedford. And um, through my role at the Place, I actually met Tom uh, Spurgeon, who is the audience development manager at the Virtual Orchestra. Um, and he is also one of the managers for this project as well. He is, yeah. Um, and, uh, well, Tom and I um, just spoke about doing some collaborations together, and then I was alerted to the job of event manager for the virtual orchestra, and uh, then I was asked, invited for an interview, and Jonathan and I met at the interview stage. We so. did. Were, yeah. were you the interviewer, Jonathan? Well, along with Tom as well, and, right. and Alex, and our Alex. director of education, yeah. Right. So, yeah, so you have two hats, which I quite like. I have two hats, yes. So yeah. I, I work here part-time as event manager and I work at the Place Theatre as audience development manager. So, What does an audience development manager do, please? Um, well, my particular project is called Audience Development in the Community. So um, we're trying to go out into the community and connect with people who don't normally come to the theatre or who... Many people in Bedford don't even know that the Place Theatre exists yet. And for those who are listening, it's on Bradgate Road. We were established in 2001. I think it was an oh old, the, the building was an old boys' club. Um, and it started off as a, a community theatre, um, just doing sort of, a, I suppose, a venue for local amateur dramatic groups. And um, then uh, we started to bring in professional shows and then the need for more staff um, came on. And mm. we, so we have we have an admin person, a venue manager, um, uh, myself and um, a, a producer, another producer who looks after programming. 
Um, and then we, we, we are staffed uh, quite a lot in, by the front of house, in front of house by volunteers. So, um, yeah, and, and so my, my particular project goes out into, into the community and tries to make work with groups uh, who feel disconnected from the arts in some way um, and try to, to try to raise, um, I suppose, try to ra- raise awareness isn't the your proper, the right <laughs> your, term. Your eyebrows are going <laughs> in. Yeah, so, sound, though, don't really so like that I, I, no, I don't really wa- like it huh. that it's raising awareness. It's more that it, it, we're, we're trying to break through cultural barriers um, that people feel um, that people feel some people feel that the arts aren't for, aren't for them due to you know perceived traditions or you know something that that they 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 never grew up um going to 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 the theater or um really feeling that drama or music or you know in a participatory way was for them so we're trying to break down those those cultural barriers and beliefs and so um, resonates perfectly with what yes. we're doing with virtual orchestra yes which yes. Is kind of lucky but also i think intentional really yes having you here is yes kind of amazing yes uh the virtual well now that you've I mean, you've introduced it now, so you must continue to talk about the virtual orchestra. Yeah. I and mean, it was seamless what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. It's like you've been changed careers, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, the virtual orchestra, yeah. Um, so it's delivered by, or powered by, as we're saying, the Philharmonia Orchestra. Um, and the Philharmonia are um, obviously our home base is London, but we have four city based residences. So in each of Bedford, Leicester, Canterbury and Basingstoke we're running this project which is effectively all of the exciting digital output that the Philharmonia have developed over the last decade bundled into one place and doing exactly or trying to achieve exactly what Elizabeth has just been saying about the place in a slightly different Mm. way it's a bit more sort of you know chucking a big stone in a pond and trying to create ripples that way rather Mm -hmm. than the sort of perhaps slightly more grassroots work that you do but Mm. actually the reason why Elizabeth met Tom Spurgeon from our our audience development team was because the the big part of this project work beyond just the physical that you can see the big physical tent and installation and the VR headsets is having a local steering group and so we invited Elizabeth and other local organizations to be on a steering group effectively to help target and guide and say who is it that you're trying to reach how are you interacting so rather than it being sort of happenstance, actually, there's quite a sort of thought-through process about bringing something big that then helps achieve those connections. And mm. who are the people who need to be... Ooh. Well, I mean, I don't like the word targeted, really, mm. but I've um, used it. But uh, who, who, are the, who are the people that you're... So it's different in every location. Bedford's the first, so you know we're learning a lot here, actually, about where it is working and perhaps mm. sometimes when it isn't, interestingly. But certainly from our side, what we've been telling funders, and of course that matters because they're the people who are making this, helping make this happen, is effectively trying to reach people who would ordinarily have barriers to go into cultural institutions, i.e. that going through the door to the theatre or going through the door to the concert hall is the problem because they don't identify themselves with that. And in, in many ways, that's actually a much wider target audience than just saying socio-economic deprived or particular ethnicity groups or particular segments of community because actually what we're saying is there might be somebody that would live in a postcode where all their neighbours go to stuff but they might feel that it's not for them 
and that that's in the widest sense the target right yes yeah i think so yeah and i i think it's it, it was a, a really um clever and important thing uh, you know encouraging local arts organizations to get on board with the virtual orchestra because when when something is local you know like a big company like the philharmonia can swoop into bedford and then leave six six it's weeks later like <laughs> six weeks later and you know not maybe you know have had have had a very big presence here in Bedford for these six weeks but then just leave but but mm. by making the mm. connections with the local groups um, the 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 effect is ongoing and I think people uh, for me the bit the the way to connect with people is to understand their identity somehow you know and um, a, a big thing for people is identity of place where they live so uh, the, by by contacting the local arts mm. organizations mm. and the the names that people are familiar with even if they don't go to these organizations on yeah. a regular basis yeah. that there'll still be there'll still be some connection with with this local identity and I think that's really important yeah I'm going to have to ask you a very difficult question I mean I flagged it now uh, and just say could you possibly hold that could you follow the lovely Elizabeth's example of holding the microphone and not do this Sorry. No, no, I'm not looking for an apology. The apology is redundant and therefore rejected. I'm just saying... I mean, I'm profusely apologetic. No, I don't want any more apologies. Is that better? Yeah, it's just that when you do that, then things start breaking. Oh, sorry. God, your technology is really, really... Uh, Shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say temperamental. No, no, it's just it starts to peak and then I can't concentrate and okay. I'm sorry. So there we are. I'm trying hard. I was being relaxed. <laughs> Um, I'm not uh, the relaxed thing, anymore. The thing I'm uh, fascinated by <laughs> is that um, I possibly my preference for work mm. is that there is a tangible output. So if I'm if I'm organ if I'm involved in a particular function or an organisation, I need to feel as though I am I can demonstrate my output. Mm. Uh, and I get the impression that what both of you do is essentially sort of influencing and creating a vision and I'm not suggesting that, that isn't a valuable thing mm -hmm. but I wonder how you go about proving your value Ooh. and demonstrating your effectiveness do, do you see know what I mean yes yes because I, I totally I do, buy into do, what you're doing yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, and I see it's important but yeah but there's a lot of talking mm -hmm. and influencing and persuading and mm -hmm. how do you know when you've done a good job that's we well, don't <laughs> Part part of it is that you never fully know, mm. because actually what we're talking about is a level of interaction with people that's emotional and subjective. And all right, you can gather feedback, you yes. can talk to them, yeah. but fundamentally, you know, the arts you never can measure in that way. You're smiling mm. in a slightly maniacal way. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, but it's you're partly, okay with that. Then. Well, no, and it's partly because you know you're you're asking a provocative question, which I like right. because. You know, we're often asked that by funders, mm. by anybody who's involved with us, and of course we always try and turn around and we're doing so much evaluation on a project like this. But fundamentally, we're here because we care about the art, we care about the music, but also from Elizabeth's perspective, the theatre, anything artistic, because of its value intrinsically to people, because we think it enriches lives. But actually, all right, there's so many measures you can put on that, but fundamentally, it, it depends on what so many factors of somebody coming and interacting with us that we can't fully measure that. 
I'm talking mm. about, but I'm, I get that. I'm talking about your personal contribution to... Oh, God, I do sod all then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very honest of you. <coughs> okay, well, we'll come to you later. Uh, do, do you see what I mean? How do you... Yeah, well, my, my personal contribution, gosh. Um, well, uh, in, ter- in terms of measuring that, I suppose it's about, um, you know, s- setting out objectives to, to begin with and then writing a report afterwards and stating how each of those objectives were met and and were they met you know to a particular capacity or to a smaller capacity and and um and, and i suppose like jonathan said it's it, there's so much emotion involved in these things also you know you, you sort of feel if something was a success or or not mm. so there's there's instinct that go, that right. goes into it um and then also in in the feedback that you get uh, I, I you know and i like written feedback because i think it gives a gives people an opportunity to be honest you know a lot of people will come up to you and say oh that was great that was great and it's just oh, yeah, lip suspicious. service, lip service, you <laughs> no, know. So yes, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and anonymous, <laughs> so you know, and all of that. And so so if people are, are coming back and, and giving positive comments or, you know, and, and the inevitable negative comments, and mm. the, I mean, you, I want negative comments mm. because that's how we'll learn. Um, so, yeah, so I suppose we, we judge it in, in, in those terms. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, it's. I suppose it's easy just to say, "Oh, it was a great, great success. We sold two hundred tickets or whatever." And you can judge judge particular things in monetary terms, like this uh, concert that's going to be yep. on the tenth of August yep. here in Bedford. Nice plug. Wow. Um, that wow. The, wow. Yeah, that's the the new, aren't you? Mm. That the Philharmonia. Secret high five down here. So the, for those who are listening, we have um, uh, the Philharmonia is uh, is coming to Bedford on the 10th of August and there's going yeah. to be a, a concert. There is actually a whole yeah. event, it's sort of almost yeah. a festival. So mm-hmm. we're, we're at our home venue in Bedford, which is the Corn Exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, we're there six times a year anyway, but this concert is specifically linked to this installation. Um, there'll be some parkour happening mm-hmm. on the way into the hall. There's a lot of pop-up performances, and then the full orchestra, the Philharmonia, will be on stage. In what is for me as a, an artistic administrator, kind of the first time I've ever mm. designed a concert like it is. It's very unusual. We're working with a guy called Tim Steiner, who does some work with us, <coughs> usually in education settings. We've got a conductor called Kwame Ryan coming in, who's done some contemporary music with us, and the the, the drive behind this was if we're really going to go to new audiences not our typical audience we want to sell this to people who've never been before they don't know their Mozart from their um, Schoenberg from their um, Burt Whistle and so we've really tried to build a program that actually showcases the best of the whole range of orchestral music it's kind of interesting and an experiment and it might go tits up but I hope it does the opposite and you love this work don't you I can tell that you love this work yeah well, yeah. partic- particularly when it feels like it's vibrant and connecting in a way with what's current, what's new, but also the sort of legacy of orchestral music. And I'm fully impassioned by the idea that the sector needs this work, otherwise it will sort of write its own own death sentence. Because if we carry on with sort of effectively the museum version of what orchestras are about, which is not, not to say that the whole industry does that, but that's quite common, and a common audience development approach has been very much to look at look at what's already popular. But frankly, that's kind of bullshit because it's popular with the 5% of the population who listen to this music in person regularly. And me. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Well, yeah, no, no, don't get me <laughs> no, wrong, I'm in it because I grew up with it and love yeah. it. But actually, look, I often 
compare it to visual arts where you know we our office is in london right by tate modern and you look at somewhere like that 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 has achieved so much in terms of saying to people it's fine it's fine to come and not like this or like it but people come and the same is true of music i actually quite enjoy it in this installation i'm Rabbiting on, sorry, but no, shut up. please. I like it in this installation when people come through and they've spent some time and come out and say I didn't like it. I'm just as interested in mm. that. I honestly am, mm-hmm. because they've engaged. And the thing that kills me is when people just don't care. Mm. Oh, there's no. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. There's nothing worse than somebody just going, yeah, okay. And the thing is, the, the, the <gasps> why are you wasting my time? <laughs> the more we present stuff that feels like it's a little bit sort of just you could go and see it in a museum, or frankly. Should say this tentatively. You could listen on your own VR experience at home and not ever have to see it live in person. The less important it is, the less I want to do this work. Mm-hmm. Whereas this project mm-hmm. uses the digital. It takes that. It it creates the first point of contact, which then hopefully, and we're seeing it already happen, drives that kind of. Oh, okay, I'll come and see that. Mm-hmm. And actually, what's encouraged me most, I don't know about mm-hmm. you, is the people who clearly have never encountered it before, and then do say, "God, I really want to see that live." Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think so, and I I think it's it's not about putting people totally out of their comfort zone. It's just pushing them a little bit to the to the left or the right, you know, of where they're what they're used to, um, and trying to connect with them, you know, in terms of what they already know. So pr- in Bedford, you mm. know, in, in terms of their home ta- hometown, and um, but then bringing this new experience that that they you know maybe they're not. Um, big uh, uh, classical music um, lovers or whatever but th- but they get to you know get to know a piece and get to understand it a little bit better and I think just if I may that that's uh, on on the 10th of August um, the idea that we're that parkour uh, a parkour act is coming yeah. and we're also having a local Morris dancing group and I, I am also a part of I mean, part I of this group but well it's it's actually it's it's quite you see it's but mod, I will and and I think it's exactly what what Jonathan is saying because mo- this particular group of Morris dancers has taken the tr- tradition so the traditional dance yes. but then brought it into the 21st century mm. and has has ma- you know has made it sort of interesting and cool and edgy um so so and yeah less I less I have to tell you I find Morris dancers fundamentally annoying yeah 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 really? so is, it, is it my fault <laughs> well I, I can I can I can understand man. that I can I can understand <laughs> it because like there's a lot of traditions you know that are I, I think a lot of Morris dancing sides are stuck in a particular tradition yeah. Yeah. and they can't move and they they don't want women to dance and but but um. this particular this particular side is is progressive while while holding on to the the idea of what what Morris dancing was originally for which is to connect with the seasons and to celebrate um, on May morning for instance we went to a local park Amtill Great Park and there's a big hill there mm. and we danced up the the rising sun and th- that oh. was that was a really special moment yeah. for me actually um, and uh, so, so I think it is it's about you know preserving the traditions but just pushing pushing them a little bit further yeah. further into the m- more modern day um, like this like with the digital technology I'm, I think I'm, that's I'm a really great I want to come and yeah. see yeah. it yeah you should you goths. should they're goths yeah well okay. yeah goths goths with bells and sticks yes Yes, yeah, and uh, they're this called Hemlock, working. Hemlock Morris dancing. So it's all you know connected with the earth and, like and, the, and the idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So oh, the idea is so really it's like maybe this maybe slightly slightly dangerous and they slightly. We don't, we don't all die. 
but um, oh. th- then but it, I think it's the idea of having these local groups so the local parkour group and the local uh, Morris dancing and 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 it's so it's creating this connection with the whole town mm. and saying come on you know guys we can all do this like together and I know that's you know it might be that sort of sugary sugary sweet but but I think that's in in order for local arts organizations to survive and to to really create a a, um, a good vision for uh, Bedford's cultural identity we all, we do we all need to be open and to be creating things like this all of the time together yeah. um, and that that's how yeah. we'll all grow and benefit the most yeah. and look this is actually a key thing about power of an installation like this is it's not designed just for the Philharmonia to benefit its own yeah. its own audiences. Clearly that's going to be one of the things we look and measure and we want that to happen but actually the point is to create people who engage culturally mm-hmm. who didn't previously and that's what interestingly that's what we've been pushed very hard to do by our funders. We want to do it morally anyway but actually Paul Hamlin and Esme Furban particularly have been really kind of pushing that yeah. with us so when we we first applied for this I don't know if you know this mm. we didn't get rejected they just told us to go and rewrite mm. the, the initial application oh, because God. they wanted more of that mm. okay. and the, the I ver- actually I, I realise this may seem a little irrelevant but when you say an application we're not talking about two pages of A4 it's, it's oh god no it's, it's taken a year and a half to, oh to get god. the funding and it's probably about 150 pages worth <gasps> across across various applications but it's, it's pretty extensive and it is actually the largest grants non-arts council grants the Philharmonia's ever had mm. so it, it makes sense that they make us work for it but the, the work that we really had to do was two two things that were really pushing us one was this notion of being better at the grassroots and that's par- partly because this stuff has been out before the Philharmonia has taken its digital elsewhere but it hasn't really ever fully worked out how to create a proper legacy. It's not that it doesn't create legacy, it's just that the legacy is very difficult to really create in a way that is meaningful and sustainable. What do you mean by legacy? I'm sorry, I just think Absolutely it's important fine. for you to so define that. We're here for six weeks. Right. That's a great chance to see lots of people, about 15,000 we anticipate in each place we go across those six weeks, lots of school kids, brilliant, wonderful. But if you only come once and you only have that one interaction... You know, what have you achieved? It's that classic Olympics 2012 right, question, okay. right? Where, you know, did did uptake of school sports increase after the Olympics? There's lots of stats to say that maybe it didn't. Does uptake on music or any other cultural activity happen after an event like this? Well, we're trying bloody hard to try and make sure it happens. And the funders are really trying to push us to make sure that happens. So this sort of connection between the steering group, us, and that whole kind of ownership of something like this locally is is fundamental it's why we employed tom so he he wasn't a a post at the philharmonia until this project happened and that post got created because we recognized the deficiency in ourselves of being able to achieve that we're really lucky we found somebody who's kind of believes it to his core and is really inspiring in that the other thing that the fund is really pushing us on is evaluation and it sort of goes to that first question Mm. you're asking in that what they've asked us to do is a four-year evaluation of this rather than just evaluating at, at the time. So we're doing a lot of surveys with people, anecdotal feedback as well as written. Um, you know, we've got a chalkboard which you go and have a look at in a bit. Okay, it's fun. Right. Got lots of mostly positive, I think, comments. Most, mostly yeah. positive. Some very, <laughs> some very creative drawings. Okay. Um, I'll look out for the negative stuff. But we're also doing like a further three years worth of tracking what the journey is for people. You know, who's coming to it? Who's engaging for the first time? Where are they going next? Are they not going anywhere next? Is it that through spending, you know, 
the best part well it's about £650,000 across to deliver this across across this time is that actually having any impact mm. are people changing their behaviours I said this to but you in your interview yeah, if, it, yeah. if it works for one person mm. I'm satisfied yeah yeah um, but, and also, but also you know you can measure it in, in those sort of long in that long term way but you can also just measure it in terms of one person going in by themselves um, and feeling part of something mm. for fe- feeling allowed to be part of something for uh, you know an afternoon or whatever there, there's a, a local a lady who lives locally um, and we're not sure if she has a home or not um, but she 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 has come back once or twice three times I think and yeah. uh, has has spent a few hours in there just enjoying herself and mm. uh, has come out and said to the staff that she feels really lucky to be allowed to be part of, of something mm. like this Wow! and and you know th- like that that's a really powerful impact and yeah. it, so you know if if it's a if if it's an ongoing if what's ongoing for her is a memory, I mean, you're right. That, isn't that nice? Valid. You know, that's really valid. Thanks to everyone for participating in this podcast and for the Philharmonia's warm welcome. It is a fantastic endeavour, well worth a visit. Please rate, like, share, and follow the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or Audio Boom, and follow the Thoroughly Good blog on Facebook. You can also find me, John Jacob, at Thoroughly Good, on Twitter. Thanks very much for listening.